Yeah, sometimes I feel <clears throat> I don't have a heart that's big enough to carry what God wants to really say to us. And I'll do my best to dig deep today because I really believe that God is speaking to us and it's evident. It's just like, come on God. These guys were listening to my notes, the guys at the pre-meeting, they were listening when you started. The songs that we were singing today, it's just like, ah, <laughs> do I have anything to say? But it's because God is speaking and that's why I feel like I do. I really do believe that we can spend a lot of time looking back, but we never go forward when you're driving, looking in your rearview mirror. We need to go forward. We need to do what God wants us to do out there. And that's forward. That's going front. So I know we have a huge Goliath that should be dead by now, still just rising every now and again. But let's chop off his head. Let's get done with it. We have a rogue spirit of lawlessness in our land. I think you know that. And I don't have to go there. You can just open the newspaper anytime and you'll see the rogue spirit just rising up with his big ugly head and wanting to destroy. But I believe that God has a greater power and a greater strength. And God is looking to us and in us today to find that place where we can make a difference. Where we can make a difference in the world that we are. Thank you for, where are you, my friend? Yes, thank you for that word this morning. Again, just to remind us, when we speak about the church, we're not speaking about Joshua generation. We're speaking about the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we may feel great, and we may feel good, and we may feel all pumped up and ready to go. But there is a church out there that needs more, that needs more. And may we be that example. May we stand in that place where we can stand strong that others will look to us, and not because of how great we are, how good-looking we are, but how good He is in us, and how much we have to live for. We have much more to live for than just a building. And I know that you know we're going to a building in a couple of weeks' time, a couple of months' time maybe. <laughs> I'm getting excited for it. It's good to know that we can go. But guys, it's not about the building. It's not about the building. We are the building. I remember a word that God gave to Kevin. I'm sorry that he's not here this morning. But God gave a word to Kevin. We were standing under the old oak tree on the ground. On the ground. He'll remember the word. And while he was speaking, he said this. It's not about the building. We are the building. This is what God is building. Us. He's building us. Do we need a building? Yes, we do. We're sitting in one. But it's not about that. It's about us. It's about who we are and what God wants to do through our lives. So, I said on Father's Day, and I just want to reiterate these words, we are losing too many battle scars. We've lost some of our sons. I don't want to look in the rearview mirror all the time, but I'm looking now at the losses we've sustained. We've lost some of our sons. We've lost some of our daughters. We've lost some of our marriages. And maybe they're not sitting here, and maybe I'm speaking to the wrong people, but I want you to know the heart of God today, because he's reaching out for those things that we have lost. And they may be prodigal, they may have run away from God and thought they could live it out without him, 
or they may still be hiding away, even in the house, even in the house that they're hiding away and they haven't found that whole thing that God wants to give and work into their lives. So that's the heart that I carry with you this morning. We're losing too many battles. It's not my imagination, guys. It's not just like I'm trying to pump up a good advert for a newspaper heading. I want you to know that this is God's heart. There's some things that are missing. There's some things that are missing. So the word that I want to share with you actually started with Uncle Stan and me. (laughs) We were having a chat, so I hope you don't mind me using your name. We were having a chat. We were just sharing what old people share. Like, are we doing enough? It's a good question to ask every now and again. Are we doing enough? And I think sometimes we get, we get sort of tied up into the fact that we're not supposed to be the doing, we're supposed to be the being. But I'll tell you something, you can't stand on one or the other, you've got to stand on both. There's a being in Christ and there's a doing as you follow him. There's a doing. There's something that happens inside of us. There's something that, there's an exchange of life as we follow our Lord Jesus. So, it is a good question that we started with. And I want to share. And that filtered down into our elders' camp. And from there, just kind of like felt like this is a word that God wants to bring. And it's not just through me, and God has been very faithful over the last couple of weeks. If you, if you recall this man, this young man sitting up here, Hank preached on building the balls. It was a great preach, but I want to go beyond the preach. I want you to get the heart of what God is saying to us. And then we had Barry, is he here this morning? Not, maybe in the kids' church. Um, just sharing on the wisdom to build. And how, how good it is that God is just, just cementing. And I look in some of the, 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 um, some of the, uh, what, the apps that we have on our phone and the Bible app and the, they were speaking about building and I look into the so many things. God is building, rebuilding, rebuilding. And I want you to hear that word. He wants to rebuild. So in a few months' time we will be in our building, but it is not about the building. However beautiful it may be and however excited we may be about being there, it's not about that, it's about us. And our response to going into the building cannot be passive either. It cannot be passive. You heard the words, Sherman mentioned them this morning, that we need to be prepared. We need to set our hearts, we need to put our hearts in that place, the right place for the right thing. It's good to move in a building and and. and wave our arms around in a prowess of something that God has done, and he has. He has done great things. For us to be in that place is amazing. It is amazing, I promise you. But it's about us. So, let's put some boldness to this. There may be uncertainty in the world in which we live, and there is certainly a lot. You don't have to go very far to find the uncertainty. But God has not called us to be fearful or to get comfortable in this time. So let's move into that place. We are being built up like living stones into the building of God. Living stones. That's what the building is all about, living stones. 
something that Christ is doing by the Holy Spirit in each one of us. We are being built into the house of God. But let me take you to let me take you to the scripture that I really want to start with, and I know I'm not going to get through it all because I was going to give the guys the notes on, on my scriptures, and you can read from the book of Haggai, two chapters, and it's like the whole of two chapters. Okay, so I'm not going to go there today. I'm going to take, grab some of the things out of those chapters and give them to you. So I want to read to you in Haggai chapter 1. Now, just to give you some advanced knowledge about the prophets, the prophets, come in three, maybe four different groups. There were those prophets that came before the exiles in terms of the children of Israel being taken away out of their land. There were the pro those prophets and warned the people the way they were living were not living the right kind of way that God wanted them to live and said, God said, uh, you're, going to go, you're going to get exiled. You're going to be taken out of your land. You're going to be taken out of your promise, out of the place where I dwell and you're going to be out there on another. And so there were those kind of prophets that spoke before the time. And then there were those prophets that spoke during the exile. And they were speaking to the people of God to keep their heart focused, to keep their heart on God, to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. And maybe they never used the word Jesus, but they knew exactly who they were talking about in the time. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. God has a promise. God will bring us back. But we need to repent. We need to turn our hearts toward God. And then there are those prophets that come just after the exile. And Haggai is one of them. And the people of, 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 of Israel had begun to come back from their exile and come and find their place in the land. And to some degree, I feel that we've come out of an exile. We've come out of a time, COVID and whatever else you want to call it. And I think we're still in a, in a place of darkness. You know what I'm talking about? Um, and all those struggles that go with these things. But God is bringing us out into a place. And I believe that spiritually. I don't mean that in a sense of like, oh, we're done with COVID and we're done with the lights out and we're done with all of these things. I'm talking about a spiritual bringing in that God is bringing us into a place. So we need to set our hearts into that. So these prophets speak about rebuilding. And this prophet Haggai. He starts speaking, and this is what he says. And I pick it up in the second verse of the book of Haggai. I would encourage you to read the book of Haggai. It's a short, short chapter, short two chapters, but it gives you a good sense of what God is really pulling on and what God is drawing on. Thus says the Lord of hosts. And whenever you see the name of the Lord um, put out like that, the Lord of hosts, you're talking about a fighting God. A warrior God, the Lord of angel armies. That's really what the name kind of means. The Lord of angel armies. These people, these people, these people. This is what God says. These people, referring to his people. He says, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of God. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. And this is what God says. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, 
consider your ways. And then in verse 7, he says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the same name again, Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build a house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You see, building is not just about our glory or our success or our satisfaction. It's that he may be glorified in it all. But consider your ways. There are two things that come out of this portion in Haggai that God is speaking about. The first is this, my heart. My heart. And the second is this, God's heart. My heart and God's heart. And so I'm going to pray today, and this has been my prayer as I prepare this. Holy Spirit, break my heart with what breaks yours. And it's easy to pray those kind of prayers, but it's very difficult when it does begin to happen when God breaks your heart. And I could hear the voice, and as you spoke this morning, I heard the voice of God where his heart was breaking for his church, breaking for his church. So you may say, well, it doesn't really apply to us. We're good to go. God has done great things. He's doing great things. We had a great worship time this morning and just focusing on God and it could just feel the presence and just feel his hand reaching out over us and pulling our hearts. But you know, there are a few things that I just want to point out very quickly to you when we're talking about hearts, when we're talking about the hearts of men, because maybe just something, just some little something of your heart has just gone missing over the last couple of years. Maybe in the last week. Maybe the getting back or getting back into the place where we're working again and everything's going and our focus just shifts just slightly more in a different direction than not the direction that God has called us into. We're going to sing a song later. Are you ready for that song, eh? Yeah. Graves into armies. We're going to sing that. Graves into armies. But it comes out of the book of Ezekiel. I'm just going to reflash through these things because I want you to hear something about God's heart toward us. Because maybe this fits any one of us or all of us. Here's an impossible event. An impossible event. To turn bones into an army. Ezekiel 37.3 says this. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live and I answered, O oh Lord, you know. And that may be a question over your own heart today and say, can these bones live? Can I become more? Can I be more? Have I lost something so much? Have you ever asked the question, why? Why would a whole army die in the desert in one place at one time? Why? What was it? Could it happen to us? The possibility is there. An impossible event. But God said, speak to these bones. Breathe on the bones. But let me move on to another unique situation. A unique timing. In Joshua 1 verse 2, Moses. God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise. It's an event that God is raising us up, and I believe that God is calling us to a step-up situation. A step-up situation. That's why we speak about dry, dry bones. A step up from dry bones to an army. 
And here's another step-up situation. You've been in the desert. You've walked in the desert for the last 40 years. Now, now, Moses is dead. Not because Moses is dead, but it is now time. It is a time that God has set aside for the moment. It is a moment, an opportunity. Now, he says this, now therefore, now therefore, now, the word now. And I believe there is a now word that God is speaking to us now about rebuilding, about building, building our lives, building our lives full and complete in God. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all of these people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. There is another situation that may be fitting to some of you. And it speaks of Esther. Esther chapter 4 and verse 14 says this, For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise, will rise for the Jews from another place. That would be so sad if we keep silent and another voice rises up and brings relief. But let me go on with that scripture and here's what it says. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows? Who knows? Whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Do you feel that tugging on your heart today, this morning? That you, that God has chosen you, we're not just chosen to decorate. We're not just chosen to sit in seats. We are chosen for a purpose. And God may have chosen you to be the voice. You to be the voice. And then a last event, a step up time. And this is about Peter. In John 21, 15 says this. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Son, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Artificial life support, I've used this illustration sometime, many times. Artificial life support looks great, but it is just a machine. It is just a machine. An artificial breath Artificial heart, artificial spirit, artificial lungs, artificial kidneys, artificial whatever else they pump into to keep you alive. Can I go a little further and say artificial leaders, artificial deacons, artificial elders to make it look alive and keep alive? But it's not what God wants. God wants our hearts. He wants our hearts. He wants all of our hearts. Now going back to that scripture in Haggai, it says this, consider your ways. Consider your ways. There are three distinct words in the Hebrew text that, use, that, that cover that word consider. Can I just give you some idea what it, what it sounds like actually when God says consider your ways? He says this, number one, that you need to mark this thing. You need to mark it. Set it up. Set it. Position it. Align it. Work it. That's your first, the first part of your consideration. Mark it. Set it up. Set it. Position it. Align it. Work it. 
The second part of the word comes with another word, and it says heart, courage, your mind and understanding. So you could use one of those words and say, right, set up your heart, set up your courage, set up your mind, set up your understanding. Or use another word, position your heart, position your courage, position your mind, position your understanding. Then the third part of that, of that Hebrew word, or the word in English that has three Hebrew words, is, is, is the part that says you weigh it up. You put it on top of the list. Put it on top of the list. When you consider it, put it on top of the list. Make it a most high offer. So this is how it could read for you. It could say, well, when God says consider your ways, he's saying mark your courage, weigh it up, put it on top of the list. Or you could say position your understanding, put it at the top of the list, make it your highest offer. So it's not a small thing that God is calling us to today. And twice he says it there in, that, in, the, in the first chapter. Consider your ways. And your ways are the well-trodden paths, the things that you understand and know. And you as a Joshua Generation Church, you understand the ways that we often walk in. We are well, they are well-trodden. We've got routines with them. But if it has become a routine, that is where God is saying, consider Consider your heart. Consider the way you think about it. Put this in place. Put it in the right place. Reposition it. Align it. Get your heart set on this thing. Get your spirit set on this thing. Your courage. Get your understanding set on this. And make it your highest priority. Make it your highest order of business. That when you get up in the morning, that's what it's all about. It's about my heart being positioned as I walk in this way. Everything wants your heart. Everything wants your heart. Every advertisement, every product, every idol, every job, every boss, every passion, every sport, every hobby, every money, Satan, even your spouse, your children, your friends, your enemies, and even you want your heart for yourself. You often hear people say, I want some me time. Oh, you can have all of those things. You can have any one of those things because it's, they're not all bad. They're not all bad, but they mustn't get your heart. They must find their place as you present your heart to God. Your heart may be eclipsed. Your heart may be eclipsed by some massive shadow that has happened over the past couple of months, years maybe. Your heart may, be, may have been hurt by an offense where God didn't show up, something happened in your life and it's, it's hurt you. It's left your heart wounded. Your heart may have given up, quit. Given up a little poor circumstances, situations in your life. Mountains that have come up before you that are too big for you to handle. So you give up trying. You stop trying to climb the mountain. And you assume a diminished God in your life because of that. But maybe most of all, you've lost your heart to some disappointment or any one of the above that I've just mentioned. But God is a relentless God. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. It's not the greatest command 
the greatest command that God said to us. And if it's the greatest, he didn't mean the, the, the slightly greatest. He said the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And you can add all the other trimmings to that as well, because they're all part of your heart. God wants your heart. Why should God choose my heart? Because it seems to me that that's where God places places his, his redemption, his, um, his blessing. He blesses your heart. When he was looking for someone to rule over Israel, you remember the story about the seven sons of Jesse and how, how he brought them all before Samuel the prophet and, and God said to him, none of these, none of these. And Samuel was thinking to himself, gee God, you missed it. Because <laughs> some of these guys are like real warriors. They're definitely the guy that you could call to be the, the champion, the king of all this nation. And God said, no, I don't look on the outside, I look at the heart. So when God chooses, he looks at your heart. So are you sitting here today and is your heart ready to be chosen? And if you don't feel chosen, maybe it's because you're not giving your heart to it. When God is looking to, to respond to faith, it's faith out of your heart. And he will respond to that faith. So God raised up David because of his heart. Because of his heart. And then his testimony comes in and you read it in, in Acts 13. It says... He will be a man after my heart. He was a man after my heart. That's a wonderful testimony to have. A man after God's heart. But then we forget to read the last few words that come after that. He says, who will do all my will? He's a man after my own heart who will do all of my will. So... What happens when God responds? What happens when God responds to us bringing our hearts before him? And maybe we just need for a moment just to think. Henry, what are you saying? We're talking about, we are talking about a repentance. It's something of saying, God, my heart is not in the right place. And, may, and you need to say that to God. Because when you look at the story there in, in, in the book of Haggai, the story is quite easy to understand. Their heart was not in the right place. They said, it's not time to build the house of God. We're building our own houses. Come on, God, give us a break. We've been on exile for the last 70 years. I mean, we need to build our own houses. We need to get ourselves sorted out. And I mean, we can go back to Nehemiah. We can go back to Nehemiah and find out where they started with the building. They built the walls around the city. And just by the way, you were speaking about these walls and saying, the Grelings is picky. Just by the way, those, those, those walls were 12 meters high. Not so bad. They were 12 meters high, two and a half meters thick. They were four and, four and odd kilometers long around the city of Jerusalem. A lot of building. But they started there and they neglected the house of God. I thought, well, we got the wall up. Well, the wall's going, okay, a biggie start of many grailings. Um, but we'll sort them out. We'll get them, we'll get them fixed up. But then God says, what about my house? 
And God is not talking about a building. You understand that, guys? Do I have to explain? I don't have to explain that to you, do I? It's not about a, it's not about a building. It's not about a building. God is not interested in a building. A building is necessary. It's a necessity of, of, of accommodation. That's about what it is. It's a place where he can put his name and say, that's where I want to put my name. I want to put my name on that building. But what more, what, what counts more is that I'll put my name on the people who are in the building. Because when we leave the building today, we carry, we carry the house of God with us. We carry the house of God with us. So, you must understand this, that there are always chapters in this story Chapters of trouble and opposition and hard things and struggles and distractions and discouragement. But then God comes along and he says this to the people. They repented. They said, okay, we'll start building. And they start building and they get onto the building and God says this to them. He says, and I will be with you. Now, it's easy words to say. I'm with you right now. I'm with you. But I'm not really with you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not really with him, but I'm here and he's there. So, you know, but this, when God says, I'm with you, it means something. He's not all over the map. He's with you. He's with you. He puts his heart with you. And all that he is. God is great. He has great power. He has great presence. He has great wisdom. And we know that these are some of the names of God that are given to us. So when he presents himself, I am with you, he's presenting his power, he's presenting his presence, he's presenting his greatness, he's presenting his wisdom over your life in that moment. Even Moses says this, if your presence doesn't go with us, then we can't go. Your presence distinguishes us, your power distinguishes us, your wisdom distinguishes us. It's the only way that we can move forward. And that is the promise that God has given to us. So, what does this with you mean? What does it mean? There was a time, and, and I'm not going to read that portion, but it refers to a time where the people became a little discouraged about rebuilding the temple. They looked at this and they said, this doesn't look like it should. It doesn't look like this, the, 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 the temple or the, the house that, that Solomon had built. It's looking bad. It's looking ugly. And God's, God actually turned around and he started stirring them and he said, no, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you. That means something. Something is going to come out of this. Something that's much bigger than you think it is. And I'm going to be building a house that, is, that will exceed even the glorious house that, that Solomon had built is going to exceed that. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because that is really a great opportunity that God is building us into. We are not just a fake little rise up around the corner, little uh, investment that God has made on the earth. This is his house where he dwells, where he seeks to put his name on us. Amen. And he wants all of our hearts in the matter. Don't fight with us, Henry, please. I'm not fighting with you. I just want more for you. 
I want you to be sure that you've given everything that you need to give to God. That you need to give all of your hearts to God. And for the greater purpose, for the greater purpose, not for yourself, as we can quite easily build around ourselves. It's not about our ministry. It's not about who we are. It's not about our worship. It's not about any of these things. It's about our hearts given to God, a living God. And he will do with it as he chooses. And he will be glorified in this. And he will build his house on that. So we are expectant for many things that God will lay before us and set before us. So I'm going to close off with this. The question that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? That really sets the position of your heart. Do you love me? So answer that question. Answer that question to the Lord this morning. This morning, this afternoon. Do you love me? God saying to you, do you love me? You could add the words from the Old Testament, do you love me with all your heart? Do you love me with all your spirit? With all your breath? With all your being, your person? Do you love me with all of that? And then a deeper question. Do you want what God has prepared to give you? And that is his spirit. On the same Father's Day, I spoke to the guys and I said, I used the illustration, I said, so how, how do we honor the scripture that says be filled with the spirit? How do we honor that? How do we do that? How do we do it? What do you do when you walk out of this building today? So be filled with the spirit. Come, Hank. Be filled with the Spirit. What do you mean? How do you, how do you do that? How do you do that? Is there anything that you can pump up? Anything that you can fill up? What do you drink? What do you eat? What do you think of? How do you become filled with the Spirit? The only thing we can do to be filled with the Spirit is to present our hearts. You present your heart. Now use the picture of a sailing boat. A sailing boat can stand in the wind, but until his sail is up, he's just a boat on the sea. But you pull the sail up, and suddenly the wind carries him forward. Or as he redirects it, and there's ways of redirecting the ship, and I'm not going to try and teach you lessons on that. But you know that you can even run against the way the wind is blowing if you know how to turn the sail and it's about getting that sail in the, and maximizing the wind. Maximizing the wind. And that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. But if you don't have your sail up, if you don't have it standing in the wind, it doesn't matter how the wind blows. Your boat will just drift. And you'll move around your anchor and around your anchor and around your anchor. But you pull up your anchor. Pull up your anchor. Get your heart out there. And say, right, I'm going to go with the wind and pull up the sail. And allow him to fill the sail with his wind. And give you direction. And the speed and the power that you need to sail the seven seas. Breath of God, come and breathe upon us.
Come and breathe upon us. Come and speak to our hearts, please, Lord.